From the Long Island Who Convention in Hopog, New York, this is This Week in Time Travel for November 14th. Welcome to This Week in Time Travel. I'm Chip. I'm Melissa. And I'm Rachel. And the three of us are together in a room after a very, very long convention in which much restorative black coffee has been drunk. Not enough for this morning. I would Definitely kill for enough. some good espresso right now. <laughs> the Hyatt Regency Hotel that we are at has many things to recommend it. Proximity to a Starbucks is not one of them. And uh, Chip and I uh, killed a bottle of bourbon last night. So coffee. Coffee would be nice about now. <laughs> uh. <laughs> So we've had a good time at uh, Long Island Who, uh, connecting with our f- friends and fellow fans and seeing some of the stars of uh, the Doctor Who world. Uh, what, what were some of the good things that, uh, what were some of the good things that we experienced? Uh, what were some of the highlights? Well, uh, I've been hugged by Katie Manning approximately 10 times, so um, my mood has immediately and forever been lifted because of that. We've had some really fantastic panels. Uh, I was on Verity's In Defense Of panel, where I lasted a strong four rounds uh, through it and won a very lovely tumbler as a result. Um, Melissa is a champ. At in defense of, I must say. Let's for the listeners who may not have who may not listen to the Verity podcast, which they should. What is in defense of? In defense of is a game show that brings unsuspecting volunteers from the crowd, and they are given sixty seconds to defend the indefensible of Doctor Who. Uh, so you just have to keep talking for 60 seconds and then the audience votes on who had the best defense of whatever indefensible thing we were told to talk about. Um, sometimes the best way to get through that is uh, to be sarcastic and silly rather than you know serious and earnest. Yeah, and some some of the some of the people who people drop in their uh, their suggestions for the indefensible things to defend, they drop them, write them down on an index card, and submit them and stuff like that. And some people just do some really awful things. Yes, Chip, they do. Um, I might have dropped one in the in, in the bin to say uh, defend Ian Levine, the old time Doctor Who fan turned uh, John Nathan Turner associate who has had awful, awful things to say about Jodie Whittaker's casting as the 13th Doctor. And then moderator Deb Stanish pairs that card with Alyssa. Thanks, Chip. That was great. It was amazing. <laughs> it was worth it. It was worth it as an audience member. <laughs> yeah, hearing, hearing what, oh, if you can summarize, uh, basically you, you, you said that every fandom needs a just sort of a receptacle of awful. And Ian Levine's tears are a renewable resource, so keep crying about Jody, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> um, there were some other sort of fun panels throughout the weekend that weren't exactly, you know, serious uh, show discussion things. Um, I got to go to the Impossible Show, which is sort of a sketch comedy uh, show, and that was so much fun. Lots of different things. There are musical numbers, skits, all sorts of stuff. So, um, yeah, that was fun to watch. And then there was also another panel that was World's Worst Doctor Who Story Ideas. That was super fun. So they took suggestions from the audience on just 
plots that were pretty bad. Um, I think it was one of them was uh, the doctor had dated Taylor Swift, and then there was the oh, resulting yes. album. <laughs> as a result. Um, so that was timely and and hilarious, and so that was the kind of thing that got uh, talked about in that. Yeah, so I love going to those sorts of things where you just sort of kick back and and have fun with the show like that. Yep. And uh, our friends Sage and Kim from Head Over Feels also hosted a uh, fan video happy hour last night, uh, which was simultaneously the best and worst thing that I have ever seen. There were great videos, but my heart was crushed a little bit. (laughs) There were many tears shed over the course of watching those videos. I will say some of the people um, that were featured in that session, just brilliant works of art and taking footage from the show and recutting it to songs in a way that just evokes Mm -hmm. such passion and emotion, whether it's funny or sad or romantic or heartbreaking. Uh, There was one that was just basically all the regeneration. So it's just like, you can't help but just tear up every single time. So it's delightful. My favorite of those was the um, Hamilton Crack uh, video that uh, took took selections from the Hamilton cast recording uh, and paired them with appropriate uh, appropriate scenes from the show. It wasn't exactly a narrative kind of thing. It's just sort of a hilarious mashup. Uh, Head Over Feels did uh, post the playlist uh, publicly to YouTube, so we'll have the link in the show notes so you can see what so you can see and hear what they did. I do want to give a special shout out to Head Over Feels uh, for just being such a powerful presence in this in this convention. Uh, they were. Um, they were everywhere. They were uh, participants. They were making sure that if you had a uh, if you had a mixed gender panel, which all of them should have been, uh, that uh, women on the panels weren't being walked over by male panelists. Uh, you know, making sure that making sure that everybody got to participate, and uh, they that that they were really really important. I thought this weekend. They also broke Ingrid Oliver. Which was yes. great. Oh, yes. The Katie Manning, Ingrid Oliver panel. I wish that had been recorded. Uh, oh, if yeah. my phone hadn't been, like, dying and dead during that panel, I would have done it. Uh, but they had Ingrid Oliver and Katie Manning ostensibly there because the two have been on a unit audio recently. Um, and then Katie Manning started sharing a few details of her life, like the fact that she dated Jimi Hendrix and that Liza Minnelli is her best friend. And you just saw a part of Ingrid Oliver's brain just break, just like unable to process. She dropped the mic at one point, like literally dropped her microphone and the sound guy apparently had kittens backstage. It was, it was really, really funny. (laughs) These are such great people. Katie has been to dozens and hundreds of conventions over the years. You know, she knows the Doctor Who fandom community. She's embraced sort of being part of that. I think Ingrid Oliver is much newer to this sort of thing. Uh, And yet, you know, Ingrid was like, that was the best convention panel experience she'd ever had. Just just in terms of pairing off with... uh, pairing off with uh, Katie and just sort of basking in her presence and and the the great questions that uh, Kim and Sage from Head Over Feels uh, had for them that that you know, was great good stuff. Yeah, that was definitely a highlight. 
So what do you guys have coming up for the rest of the day today? The last panel I have is a panel at 3 p.m. where we're going to be talking about Bill. Um, so I'm doing that with Amanda Ray Prescott and Joy Piedmont, and that should be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm doing uh, – I've had a strangely non-Doctor Who uh, experience for this Doctor Who convention. I did a panel with uh, Erica Ensign uh, about uh, Babylon 5 with uh, writer Peter David. And this morning I will be part of a ginormous panel of uh, contributors to the Outside In series uh, book on uh, Star Trek The Next Generation. So we are vast. We contain multitudes. <laughs> Uh, unfortunately, I'm taking off a little early because real life has presented itself. Darn this it, is, real this life. Is, this is unacceptable, <laughs> Rachel. <know. laughs> but I've had a really good convention in terms of the panels and, and stuff so far. So I've been pretty happy. I got to be on a panel uh, with the aforementioned Joy Piedmont on uh, regenerations and you know how they're presented and... Uh, whether it's the Doctor or the Master or uh, River Song, just talking about the different kinds of regenerations and and how it uh, affects the story and the character and stuff like that. So that was a lot of fun. And then I did another panel on uh, making a home in fandom and, and what sort of this Doctor Who family has meant to me, which was um, interesting, but also uh, pretty special, I thought. And and a lot of people got to express really strong emotions about how much just this little TV show has meant to them over the years. So that was really nice. Yeah. I mean, conventions are important. They're not just nerd gatherings. They're not, and they're not just about uh, what you can get in the dealer's room or how deeply you can dissect some weird uh, 1973 episode or something like that. Um, it's the it's the friendships that we form. That was the whole point of uh of your, the panel that you just described, Rachel, and um, you know, uh, I don't know where I would be without these experiences right now. Um, more conventions to come, of course. And Alyssa and I have spoken about this uh, before on the podcast. You know, um, uh, phenomenal positive experiences. Um, I'm likely to be at Gallifrey One in February. I'm looking hard at Region Who the following month. Um, this is these feed me. Conventions feed me. Uh, now, we while we were hanging out at the convention, news was actually happening in the world of Doctor Who. The biggest news, of which you've probably seen me screaming endlessly about on Twitter, is we finally got Jodie Whittaker's costume reveal. Uh, and I, for one, think she looks amazing. Yeah, I mean, I loved it immediately. Uh, it's pants pants Com comfortable pants uh, and i uh, you could hear the clicking keyboards of a thousand men googling what culottes were <laughs> but um, <laughs> and a thousand women going does that have pockets yeah, exactly it's like we need to make sure the pants have pockets we know the coat does yes so there know. are ample pocket and, opportunities yes but uh yeah she looks really cute she looks really comfortable She's got really cool boots that look yes. like they're not healed tremendously. So she'll be able to run down corridors and through quarries as necessary. Yep. Probably have ample opportunities of sonic screwdriver in the pockets, in the pants, in the boots, just 
it's a practical outfit, which I think mm-hmm. a lot of us were very nervous she wouldn't get. And I, you know, it's also very high fashion, you know, like it's definitely like, you know, you could pluck that from any runway. That that was something that I wanted to ask you all about because I am cosmically ignorant of fashion. I mean, um, and when I first saw the costume, I was a little... It is not as, say, conservative as Christopher Eccleston's costume or anything else like that. It's just... it. It read to me like a costume rather than clothing. And then I was like, but I don't pay attention to fashion. So I think the thing is that each of the modern doctor's costume has been very fashionable in a way. Christopher Eccleston's may not have been like high fashion, but it was still an incredibly rebellious choice yeah, for the doctor. Jacket. Yeah, I mean, like, that was a thing. People were aghast. Yes, and it very much fit, you know, the the time, you know, it definitely went a little counterculture. And that in its own way was uh, a very daring, fashionable move. It wasn't, you know, necessarily conservative. It was, you know, it looked a lot simpler. It was definitely something you could pick up on your own. But that's what made it, you know, pretty dangerous in that it didn't have sort of the costumey look of previous doctors. Um, and... David Tennant and Matt Smith uh, have both had a lot more modern young fashion looks. Um, so a lot of silhouettes that you could get pretty much anywhere um, and really reflected modern young trends. Um, I'm pretty sure there's been some discussion that Matt Smith's bringing in tweed was what actually relaunched a little bit of a tweed moment among youth fashion. Um, that and pe- the bow tie. And the bow tie, brought back the bow tie, did definitely make it cool again for a lot of people. Because bow ties are cool. Because bow ties are cool. And even Peter Capaldi had very high-level fashion choices in mind when he was picking his outfit. Um, his early outfit was, uh, I believe he said this before, sort of trying to go with sharp, distinctive lines german expressionism kind of he already he like personally owned that uh, the original coat yeah and uh you know he's evolved over the time to be a lot more casual with it um but casual in a very modern fashionable sense definitely um and jody's outfit while it may look costumey at first glance is a lot of high fashion items that you could see in any Department store or runway, culottes are very much uh, becoming a thing right now. Um, yeah, especially if you looked at sort of the jumpsuit trend from mm-hmm. the, the previous spring and summer, a lot of the lower half of those look exactly like culottes. And so it's only kind of a natural extension that when you move more into fall, winter, you would see just the pants Yep, kind of coming out of that. Uh, the shirt is definitely anything I could have seen. I could pick that up probably at any uh, Nordstrom. Uh, give me 20 minutes. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I've already picked up a lookalike, but that's different. Uh, <laughs> As have I. Yes. <laughs> and the, the coat itself, um, you know, we don't really see too much of it. Um, I was recording with Radio Free Scaro yesterday, and Deb made the point, Deb Stanish from Verity Podcast made the point that it looks like the coat has a hood on it. Um, just the way that the lining uh, looks on it. Yeah. Um, from what we can see of the outside and the detailing on it, um, it definitely looks to be, um, you know, not just any pea coat. Like it has some pretty intentional black detailing on it with uh, really interesting lines. 
Um, yeah, I'll be interested to see when we see it in motion or mm-hmm. in different lighting what the inside liner looks like a little bit more. Yeah, definitely. So as soon as the costume was revealed, Rachel Stott was on the case. Rachel Stott was on the case with fan. Uh, well, I, is it fan art with Rachel Stott? It is. Uh, it. I. Because. Let's just call it art and move on. Let's just call it art and move on. But she was on the case with a really great uh, drawing of what it would look like without the coat, which was just amazing. Yeah. There's been a flurry of other fan art Mm -hmm. that's just been absolutely amazing. People, I'm so impressed by all of it. As somebody who can barely draw a stick figure, just to see amazing different representations and different settings of Jody in this costume you know, within hours. Within hours. There were so many. And then at L.I. Who this weekend, to tie it back, there were several people who in less than 24 hours had put together a cosplay for it that were looked really good. Yes. yes. It was amazing what they managed to do in that little time to pull that together. There is so much enthusiasm for Jodie Whittaker. Um, and you see that in the art just sort of pouring itself out and the costuming, the immediate costuming. I mean, you, okay, you'd see it for any, you, you would see it for any, co- uh, any actor or actress, uh, you know, because people love Doctor Who and people want to get in mm-hmm. like quick. But it was still so awesome to see Jodie Whittaker cosplayers in costume walking around this very weekend. It was, you know, it was People wanted to immediately show how much they loved the costume, that they they just went to incredible lengths to get everything ready to go for this convention. Yeah. And I one thing we didn't mention about the costume itself, which I think became a little bit more apparent um, seeing the cosplayers, was sort of how the color palette was a nod to the fourth Doctor scarf a little bit so i've heard a lot of really interesting different interpretations some people have said fourth doctor scarf some people have said colin baker because it's a little bit rainbowy um and a few other people have said um peter davison because the light color of the Mm. coat looks a little bit like his cricket jacket it does and some of the detailing on the pockets even though it's black and not big thick red stripes is you know also reminding people that it's sort of reminiscent of his coat so yeah i like I like that there's all of that. Yeah. And there are little nods to the past, but definitely fashion forward. Exactly. Like I've heard 500 different interpretations of how any little detail of her cosplay, uh, not her cosplay, no, sorry, <laughs> of her outfit uh, can, you know, be seen as an homage to previous doctors. And yet it's so uniquely her. You don't look at that and say, oh, they were just trying to do David Tennant. Oh, they're just trying to do Peter Davison. Like it is unique while being very grounded in Doctor Who's history. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Jody in costume, there was also a leak of a set photo. Yes, there the, was. Over the last couple days while we've been here, and I just about lost my damn mind because it was Jody filming in Peter's costume. So it's clearly yes. from right after the regeneration. And yeah, 
That's it's a real. lot. That's it's a lot. Real. This is a real thing that is happening. Can I tell you my favorite detail about that, though? Yeah. So Peter Capaldi has said that he found out that it must have been a woman who was going to be the next doctor because the place that he goes to to get his clothing, his tailor, they said, oh, you know, we had someone call to get an exact replica of your pants for Doctor Who, but in several sizes smaller. In size 30. Yeah. So oh, they're like, wow. you know, uh, okay. He's like, all right, this is probably a woman who's taking over next. But the best thing is from that set photo and this is not spoiler like could be because people we know this is going to be happening but like in the set photo she's wearing it and it's still baggy on her they intentionally made a costume that was just small enough to fit her but just big enough to look like she was swimming in it and i love that little attention to detail yeah yeah Yeah. uh i can't i can't wait till christmas but we don't have to wait until christmas to get our first look at twice upon a time Nope, that's because Children in Need special uh, this coming Friday is going to be airing a short little clip of Twice Upon a Time. Yay. Yes, <laughs> and, and and the accompanying pictures with the release. I, uh, on the TARDIS set, Peter Capaldi holding Pudsey Bear and Pearl Mackey and, and David Bradley with Santa hats. That's, that's, that's everything right there. Oh, no. Oh, yes. <laughs> Oh, man. That bear is really cute, by the way. I've seen a bunch of different pictures of people holding that bear, so I... Yeah. I'm not ready for this. <laughs> to, you, you have to... To get Jodie Whittaker, you have to have this. Why not both? <laughs> Why do I have to lose one? Yeah, it, in the regeneration panel that I talked about earlier, you know, that was obviously one of the topics we brought up. Was like, what are we looking for in terms of this regeneration and and what's going to happen and you know we're just i think the main thing we were all in agreement of that the two of them would be talking to each other to encourage each other and say you know it's okay to let go and i yeah i'm not ready to let go <laughs> no, no. <laughs> they no. may they may convince each other but i will never be ready <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's been a great weekend uh, f- to be a Doctor Who fan, and it's been, uh, and, and I'm so excited about the new news. Um, I, and you know, Doctor Who conventions are about celebrating everything that came before you, and yet in the middle of all of this stuff, we had so much to look forward to. So this is a short episode of This Week in Time Travel. We will be back next week with a couple of interviews that we did here. That Alyssa did. I was just the tech monkey this time. Who did you talk to? I talked to Katie Manning, who played Joe Grant uh, during the Third Doctor's tenure. Uh, You can't see it, but I'm currently wearing a costume from the Sea Devils. Uh, And we also talked to Waris Hussein, the first ever director of Doctor Who. Those were such wonderful conversations, and some of the stuff, some of the stuff that uh, Katie shared before we began officially recording, will never see the light of day. But was just utterly delightful. It was, it was very, very delightful. Uh, anyway, uh, Rachel, so good to have you joining us around the table for another episode of Twit. Thank you so much. It was. Good to do this in person and see your lovely faces. Absolutely. Uh, This Week in Time Travel is on the Incomparable Network at thisweekintimetravel.com. You can support the podcast and all the other Incomparable podcasts by becoming a member at theincomparable.com slash members. 
Alyssa tweets and tumbles at Whovian Feminism. I tweet at numeral two minute time lord. Rachel tweets at R Miriam. And the podcast is on Twitter at DRWho this week. We will be here next week with our interviews and other news on This Week in Time Travel. Bye-bye. Bye.